If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is July the 24th, 2014, and welcome to another episode of The Bright Side with Technisha. Glad that you're hanging on in here with me. And I'm glad that we're back together again. Of course, I had a few delays last week because of technical difficulties with my computer up and down. But I'm, I am so appreciative that I'm back on track. Um, but today will be a wonderful show. You know, I have the shows where it transform your lives, where you don't have to go through the trouble that you're going through if only if you take the time to open up your mind and tune in and really listen. And also stay prayed up. Get into the Word every day because that's the main thing to get us through. But I'm here with Mr. W. Dennis Parker, who after 23 years as a certified clinical hypnotherapist, Dennis wishes to share with us what he has discovered and developed as new spiritual mind management hypnotherapy techniques and protocols. We receive, we will probably be receiving calls all over, hopefully, for this. And if you have interest in this, please do call in at 347-426-3751. Um, Dennis will be telling you how you probably can become certified as a clinical hypnotherapist or you can obtain the same skills that he is teaching in schools to assist with children, grandchildren, other family members with unwanted behaviors. And today we will learn how to use the mental skills that are taught to benefit ourselves and others to experience greater self-confidence, have increased self-esteem, enjoy sports performance enhancement, deal with anger management, sleep better, have impulse control, you name it, we're going to put it on here, even reduce physical weight. And for the ones who smoke, we're going to teach you all that too. So stay tuned on in because we are starting right now. Dennis, I'm glad that you're on today with us. How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm glad that you're taking out the time with us to do this. This is interesting. Like I said, I always try to get guests who are going through every little thing to teach you about hypnotherapy, spiritual life, how to lose weight, you name it, I try to have it on. Even if it sounds ridiculous, I try I try to do it. Dennis, this is what I would like to ask. What inspired you to get into spiritual mind management? What caused me to get into it? Yes, sir. Um, it was a long process of uh, discovery, um, Years ago, I had some personal problems with anger where I was actually angry all the time and didn't know why. And over the years, it just continued to grow and compound until I was uh, really becoming uh, 
to a point where I could be violent or, you know, it didn't take anything to set me off. And I didn't know what was causing it, but it just continued to grow and build in me, so to speak, until it got to the point where I was having altercations and so on with people. And finally I knew I had to go do something about it. My sister actually had heard about a hypnotherapist who had helped somebody else and gave me their number, and I called them and finally went to check it out. My whole story is on the website, uh, my hypnotherapy school website, if anybody cares to read it. It's at certifiedhypnotherapytrainingschool.com. And look under my name. The whole thing is there and documented in great detail. I wrote it so people could actually also understand how hypnotherapy works a little bit. But I went to this session, and and, uh, I was able to discover through hypnosis uh, what was actually the root of my problem. And one of the the great things about hypnosis, trance, or pondering, as I call it, is, is that it gives us access to our subconscious mind. And James 1 and 8 says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I interpret that to be that we have a conscious mind, and consciously we all function the same analytically, logically, we all basically know we ought to, you know, exercise more, lose weight, you know, eat better. You know, we all know the right things to do consciously. That's not where our problems are. Our problems really reside in the, in the disconnected, incongruent thinking that takes place in our subconscious mind. And so because we have incongruent thinking, we set up opposing forces within ourselves. We want to move forward consciously, but we hesitate and have inhibitions at the subconscious level that when amplified in our imaginations override our conscious desires. And that's where our problems reside. So I was able to find out what that was and make great changes in my life, and then it all started from there. Wow, that's amazing that you actually wanted to take out your time to do that too. It is, because I always think about people doing certain things. I'm like, I don't want to probably try to do that. But it's amazing that we do have people who are interested in doing that. And thank you for being able to share this information. Because when you look at TV, TV kind of, it turns it around. And to me, TV entertainment, it has taken us to an alpha level, which I learned from my other guests. And we, we take everything in from this TV, but we don't put our own views out and we make the assumption that all oh, the truth and reality can be obtained from TV propaganda because it'll make hypnosis look like, oh, you're tricking the mind or you're putting somebody into this deep sleep or whatever it tries to do to us. But that brings me to my next question, Dennis. What exactly is hypnosis? Well, there's a lot of confusion around it in the world today still. Uh, all it is yeah. is the natural... All it is is a natural state of mind that the mind goes through as you go in and out of sleep. Okay. And as as you transfer in and out of sleep, there are basically five what we call observable states of trance. And, again, if they want to go to my school website at certifiedhypnotherapytrainingschool.com, there's a YouTube channel link there on the left where I have some videos that explain all of the different trance levels and how they work and, the different therapies that can be achieved at each level. But the first level of what the world's calling hypnosis is what the rest of the people call daydreaming. So daydreaming is where you fixate and focus outside your head, but you're really thinking about something back in your, in your head, if you would. 
And so there are, think of it as there are four additional layers, observable layers of daydreaming or deeper states of concentration and focus that people go into and come out of naturally every day. Uh, that is really what is hypnosis. Now, to your point, the TV version of it is really just a myth. Uh, the idea of mind control is perpetuated by stage hypnotists and television and so on that they want us to think that there's some mystical power to it. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's what gives it the entertainment value of the show because they want people to think, Nanu, Nanu, you know, these people are now my power and, and so on. Uh, stage hypnotists are really looking for a particular person, and that's a person who's stuck in trance at the fourth level down, we call somnambulism. If you look up a natural somnambulist is what the dictionary calls a sleepwalker. And there are people out there who, I'm sorry? No, I was agreeing with you, Dan. Yeah, there, there are people out there, um, you know, who are actually stuck in that sleepwalking state. They're walking around in a chronic state of trance and don't even know it. And those are the people that a stage hypnotist is looking for because he doesn't have to really hypnotize those folks. He just has to bring them up, give them a few suggestions. And one of the downfalls of being a natural somnambulist is, is that it's a very vulnerable state. People allow other people's opinions to mean more to them than their own. Uh, they allow uh, themselves to be vulnerable to suggestions and so on. And uh, because they haven't developed, you know, the filter between consciousness and subconsciousness called the critical factor. So they're not doing critical thinking. They're just allowing everything to go through their, their mental filtering mechanism, if you will, and, and acting out on whatever they're basically told. Okay. Wow. Um, what is actually the difference between hypnosis and hypnotherapy? Well, hypnosis, again, is these, are these natural trance states uh, that we go in and out of. I, I probably should have made one comment. People that come in to me and, uh, for hypnosis or hypnotherapy, we have our ways to identify these natural somnambulistic people, and then our job isn't to hypnotize them, it's to dehypnotize them so they're no longer vulnerable. And I would tell you that I do uh, in hypnotherapy as much dehypnosis as we do hypnosis. We actually spend as much time bringing people back to full consciousness as we do utilizing trance in the other direction for therapy processes. But the difference in hypnosis and hypnotherapy is, is that therapy is what is accomplished to modify and change behaviors with hypnosis. And there are a number of different ways to do that and a lot of different things that are being called hypnotherapy. Uh, just like hypnosis is a general term, most people out mm -hmm. there think that hypnosis most people have to think that hypnosis is one phenomenon or one trance level and they don't really distinguish between these five observable states that I'm talking about. But what we've learned over many years is, is that these different five levels can be used to be most effective with different kinds of, of what would be called hypnotherapy. So the first level of hypnotherapy is what we call suggestion hypnotherapy. And that's what most of the world is doing out there and is considered hypnotherapy by 80, 85% of all the people doing it. Uh, that's where they have somebody enter hypnosis or trance at one of these levels and then they will help them with their self-talk 
I teach some affirmations, auto-suggestions, uh, metaphor stories, and script-type usages, and then CD listening. All of those are, you know, considered um, what we call suggestion hypnotherapy, and is what most people are, are doing in an attempt to implant a new, stronger, predominant belief in place of the subconscious limiting beliefs that exist there currently. The next level of hypnotherapy that we teach at the school, what we call is clinical hypnotherapy. Now, clinical oh, wow. hypnotherapy includes age regressions, gestalt work, inner child work, um, parts therapy, and pain control. And so there's five layers of clinical hypnotherapy that cover those different therapies that accomplish uh, behavioral modification in a more direct way, including other behavioral changes such as shutting down pain, uh, both acute and chronic. And then the last layer of hypnotherapy that we teach at the school is what we call spiritual mind management. And spiritual mind management is the most advanced uh, hypnotherapy procedure that, uh, that we use and have and have developed. And that's ours. It's innovative from, you know, it's been innovated from us over the years. And it's about teaching a person and here's the unique thing is, is that we all have our spiritual mind that actually directs the brain. Now, most everybody's concerned about the brain. The brain does this, the brain does that, and, and so on. We're not so concerned about the brain. We want to work with that part of us that actually controls the brain. And when we have these conversations, people say, well, what are you talking about? I say, well, when you die, something leaves your, your body. We, most of us call that our spirit. But when our spirit leaves our body and it leaves the body inanimate, the brain's still in your head. It's still there. They can pick it apart, dissect it, whatever. And it's the physical mechanism that directs the body, but it's not us. There is a part of us that directs the brain, and we call that our spiritual mind or our intelligence. And that's what we've learned to work with, uh, you know, in the book and in the book Spiritual Mind Management that your audience could, uh, you know, purchase if they had interest on Amazon, either in a hard copy or a Kindle version there of Spiritual Mind Management. But it teaches the idea and the concept that people who become clear-minded, meaning people who have addressed their past sensitizing events, they loosen their intelligence from those attachments, if you will, their inner mind, their spiritual mind. And they actually get to a point where they can actually feel their intelligence move from place to place in their spiritual mind, and they learn to direct their brain at a high level. So they're able to shut down migraine pain, allergies, uh, uh, different psychosomatically induced illnesses, uh, modify behaviors very quickly, and we say that we like to teach people to make changes in their life at the speed of thought, and they're able to do that with these spiritual mind management techniques. Sorry for rambling. <laughs> I got that in there. No, that's all right. It's good to know this type of stuff because we do get played by watching TV a lot, and um, but when you're going through hypnosis, then it's good. Could anyone be made to say or do things against their own will when they're in this stage? No. Actually, again, that's perpetuated by the stage hypnotist. The people that go up on stage, they do that, they do that because they want to do it. They, they want to know what it's like to be an actor or to be hypnotized or to receive the applause or just to uh, give themselves an excuse to be. 
inhibition-free because now it's not my fault I dance like a chicken or whatever. I was hypnotized, right? So they get to get up and act out the things that they would do. What happens is is that if someone actually were given a suggestion in hypnosis or hypnotherapy that was inappropriate for them, one or two things will normally happen. Uh, they will either abreact the suggestion off, meaning that they laugh or their body will jerk or whatever, but they'll bounce that suggestion back out. Or the second thing they'll do as a defense mechanism is they simply come back out of trance just like they would wake up and come out of sleep. Wow. And to most people, this would sound like a magic spell or a trick, but it's actually not. And, of course, the way you're, you're telling it, it actually does work. I, but you have to be willing for it to work, then it's correct. Well, yeah, you've got to, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really teaching people to think about the way they think, if you want it in a different form. Uh, it's really the decision-making process. Anytime a person makes a decision, anytime a person makes a decision, they could say, I just did self-hypnosis. In other words, I used to think this, and now I think that. I mean, people come in, and at one time they decided to smoke, and our job is to be able to go in and help them go not only at a conscious level not want to smoke, but go into that subconscious level where they decided to smoke at one time because there's a lot of other emotional content attached to smoking and overeating and those types of things because we have different associations attached to those to those behaviors. Uh, at one time, we maybe the, maybe the person smoked because they, you know, wanted to be part of the club or the group or the gang or the whatever they wanted to feel cool as a kid, you know. When that was an adult, that's not working so well for them. But what really has to happen is, is that you have to go back in at that subconscious level and re-decide at the same level you decided at in the first place. And so they come in a smoker and we help them through these uh, processes walk out. Uh, at one time they decided to smoke and now they've come in and they made a new decision not to smoke and they walk out as a non-smoker. Uh, they came in with food associations where, you know, uh, chocolate chip cookies that grandma used to bake, you know, and they felt all the love, acceptance, approval, and those emotional attachments that are stimulated now by still eating those chocolate chip cookies, those have to be unlinked, those associations, so that they recognize that food is food and they're still lovable and, and grandma still loves them and they can have all the love, appreciation, and acceptance, but they don't have to have the food to stimulate the feeling. Does that wow, make sense? That's amazing. It does make sense. It, it sure does. It's a change of thought of process. Now, this part will be good, especially for the ones who have their nerves worked up over taking an exam. Um, we all been through that, taking the exams in college, and you start getting that nervous uh, feeling. You, your muscles start getting tense. You feel like you don't want to wake up. You start forgetting everything that you study. I think this will be a great exercise and therapy for the ones who go through that because it's, it's a lot. And we, we know that your hormones, everything's involved when you get ready for those exams, even taking a test. So I think hypnotherapy will be the safe and gentle way to prepare for an event such as this. But what? how many sessions does a person have to go through in order to be able to enable them to overcome their nerves or remain calm and focused? Uh, usually to teach somebody to do test taking, you know, like a college student or something like that, usually, uh, you know, one or two sessions. Yeah, maybe three if, you know, they're like an extreme uh, case of anxiety or something. But, 
it's it's really simple for people to make those changes once they understand the drivers. And uh, the one of the drivers, for example, of of uh, test taking anxiety really is is a negative expectation of the outcome in advance. So if we think we're going to do poorly on a test or something, obviously we're nervous about it because we haven't prepared well. And okay. so nothing nothing's going to change that. If a person hasn't put the uh, knowledge in, they're not going to be able to pull the knowledge out. And if they know that in advance, that's what makes them nervous is because they know they're unprepared and and their mind reminds them of that and says, look, you know, you, you don't know these questions, so sitting down here and trying to fake it's not going to go well for you. But those are the people that are the most nervous, are the people who are the most unprepared. The people who have prepared well, and that's really the answer to that is, and they know they've prepared well, uh, they're excited to go take the exam instead of uh, nervous or scared, which is the exact same feeling in the central nervous system. Whether we're ever scared or excited is identically the same feeling in the central nervous system. It's just what our expectation of the outcome. If we think it's going to go really well, we've prepared well for the exam, and we're, uh, we're, we know we're going to ace it, we're excited to go take it and prove it out to ourselves. If we know we're unprepared and we haven't done well and we have a negative expectation of the outcome, then we have, you know, fear or anxiety or being scared or that kind of thing. So we teach people how to change those expectations, uh, you know, make sure they take the time to prepare well and then teach them relaxation techniques so they can actually relax and, and have the better recall that comes with that ability. Okay. Wow. I mean, it does, and it sounds so impressive. But impressive. But um, what do we mean when we say the subconscious? For the ones who might don't understand that, Dennis. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch the question. Do you mind? Oh, I'm sorry. What do um the question was? What do we mean by the subconscious part of the brain? Because a lot of people sometimes don't understand what that means. Um, could you explain that for them, please? Yes, there's there's four basic uh, functions of the subconscious mind that we teach in the school and, and uh, show people how to actually intentionally use. Uh, the first function of the subconscious mind is the imagination, and one of the big one of the big factors in what we teach versus you know uh, some of the psychology models out there and so on so on is is that in psychology most of them. Folks will say, you know, you think it, you feel it, and you do it. Uh, our model is a little different because we consider the functions of the subconscious mind to be the imaginations, and we can amplify any thought from zero to 2,500 times in our imagination. So we can make any thought a really big deal, if you will. Um, and then the next function is, is our memories. And we utilize our memories to justify and validate the accepted thoughts that we've taken in because nobody wants to be wrong. And then the amount of amplification of the imagination on the thought and the amount of justification from the memories is what determines how much emotional content or the emotions or feelings that we have about a particular thing or subject. So... Our model is a little different. It's not you think it, you feel it, you do it. Our model in the subconscious vein is as you think it, you amplify it in your imaginations, you justify, validate it, and defend it in your memories. That's what's generating the amount of emotional content the person feels, 
And the amount of emotions that we have generates the extreme nature of the behavior because we tend to behave the way we feel and to the amount that we feel it. Okay. I do understand that. And listen to this. I mean, when you really get down to it, and if you really understand that, and that's for you too, listeners, it's all about the, um, what Dennis is really explaining to you um, you can change. I mean, anybody can be willing to stop doing what they want to do, but you got to be willing to want to do it. You have to want to change. you got to agree with the change. Because really hypnosis is like that instrument for helping make that change better, faster, and permanent. So it's not like we were saying in the beginning. It's not like the stage hypnos- hypnosis where they sit you down and have you barking like you're a dog. It's, it's not that type of stuff. See, that's all stage. That's the Hollywood movies. But this stuff is about getting you under control where you learn how to control your anger, your emotions, everything that you want to basically do. And and I, I definitely understand that at all, all together, Dennis. Now, what can't be treated with the hypnotherapy? Uh, well, in the state of Utah, you know, legally there are uh, – there's what's called the Mental Health Practices Act where they've actually kind of siloed different uh, groups uh, so the psychiatrist can do one thing, the psychologist, they have another set, and hypnotherapists, we have another set of behaviors that we can work with. So what we don't treat, because we don't treat, we don't diagnose, we don't prescribe, we don't cure, we're really considered non-medical. Uh, that's why hypnotherapy across the United States is not a licensed profession, it's a certifying profession. Uh, because there's really nothing that we do to a person that can you know, really cause harm. I mean, we're not injecting anything. We're not diagnosing anything. We're not prescribing anything kind of thing. Uh, And it's really about uh, using those states again as people go in and out of sleep. And so, you know, one of the questions that we ask when people really understand it is, is, well, when's the last time you got hurt falling asleep, right? But the things, the things that we don't uh, work on here in the state of Utah, and every state has different laws and they have different uh, boundaries, but here it's a matter that you uh, don't work with diagnosed mental illness, uh, we don't work with alcoholism, and we don't work with drug addictions. So those things are by law out of our uh, purview, you know, to work with. Uh, but we work with all of the other kinds of things that you listed, you know, sleep disorders, weight loss, stop smoking, all of the other behavior modifications just below whatever anybody would determine as a mental illness. Okay. And in your expert opinion, why should I learn self-hypnosis or should I learn self-hypnosis? Well, you're doing self-hypnosis to yourself every day anyway. You just don't know it and you're not calling it that. I mean, every time you go into a state of daydreaming, you've self-hypnotized yourself. But there are, there are additional skills and there are additional abilities that you can learn that we teach. Uh, we call them, you know, mental skills, new mental skills. And the reason everybody ought to learn them, and, I, and that's what we're on a you know, a bend to do, a kick to do, so to speak, is to help everybody understand that each one of us, with the very fact that we're human beings, have much more capacity and much more ability than we're currently aware of. That in our spiritual mind, and if we learn to use it uh, in the ways that we're, you know, proposing and teaching the people to do, 
that all of us have much greater uh, control of ourselves. We have much greater mind control, meaning that we're in control of our own minds, and that we can manage our mind uh, to be uh, more productive and to accomplish those goals and dreams that we've all wanted to accomplish. And that's why we call it spiritual mind management, uh, because we're learning to manage our spiritual mind that really directs the brain, and then the, dra- the brain directs the body and so people who learn these uh, mental skills can, as you said uh, a minute ago, can virtually change anything that they choose to change about themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, you can literally design your life. You can cope almost any problem. You just got to rem- and it w- and to me, it just helps you to remain more calm and centered in day-to-day life. So this is very awesome once you really focus and get into it so at the basic level of it all. I think yeah. it's wonderful because, I mean, we, we go through it every day. Being an adult, have to pay bills, you go through that stress. And so this is going to help to restore that helpful energy to your body. That control will help make you feel better. I think that's a great idea. I think everyone needs to do it. I would definitely make sure you get your um, this information out the words because this is good information. I think it's going to help you be successful in life that we're missing a part of it all. But as I always say, keep God a part of your life too because you, both of them have to go hand to hand. So um, we're going to take a short commercial break, and we'll, when we come back, we'll talk about Dennis' book. And like I said, if you want to call in, please do so at 347-426-3751. I am keeping the chat box open for if you have any questions, so do not touch that dial. We'll be right back after this. There's only one station that will keep you happy, Blog Talk Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Hi, um, I'd like to report a bear hug. Uh-huh, okay. Well, we were building a bonfire, and I, I saw some, like, dry brush and leaves around, so, you know, I, I said to move the bonfire somewhere else, and out of nowhere, Smokey Bear shows up and hugs me. So you notice some wildfire hazards and moved your bonfire to a safer location. Yeah. Yeah, that's Smokey, all right. He likes it when people help prevent wildfires. It hits him close to home. Not everybody gets the hug, my friend. So that's pretty special to get a hug from Smokey Bear. <laughs> so it was him. Hey, guys, I told you it was Smokey. Okay, well, congratulations, my friend. And thanks for calling. There are many ways to prevent a wildfire. Learn how you can do your part. At SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service, Ad Council, and your state forester. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Hi. I'd like to report a bear hug. Uh, okay. Well, before I left my campsite, I was putting out my fire, and out of nowhere, Smokey Bear showed up and hugged me? So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again... And felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He likes it when people correctly put out their campfires. He's pretty big on wildfire prevention. He's just letting you know you did good with a uh, hug. He's a hugger. I just got a bear hug from Smokey Bear. <laughs> Status update! All right, I'm going to let you go now. I've got uh, a lot of uh, ranger stuff to do. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. 
Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. All right, we're back on the air with Parker, and we're talking about hypnotherapy and how to really just focus, and it's not like you see it on TV. But before we get into his book, The Spiritual Mind Management, I want to ask this question, too. How is hypnotherapy different than affirmation? Well, affirmations are part of uh, what we call suggestion hypnotherapy. It's it's a one technique that a person uses to direct their uh, subconscious in an effort to uh, produce different thought patterns that create different behaviors. Uh, when we when we talk about um, the mind, we use different metaphors. One of them is is that you know the conscious mind is like the to be the master or director, and the subconscious mind is the genie in the bottle. Now, the subconscious genie doesn't care about right or wrong, good or evil, worthy or unworthy. Uh, doesn't make judgment calls. That's why people can do bad things. Um, what it does is it just more or less wants to fulfill the wishes of the master, so to speak. And the master needs to be the conscious mind, and the conscious mind needs to be giving the subconscious uh, correct directions, if you will, or clear directions. And lots of people uh, and their behavioral issues uh, really are just uh, created by inappropriate self-talk. Uh, you know, they're using uh, words like, uh, you know, I tried to do that uh, you know, and, and as we know, that nobody tries to do anything. That's a personal lie. One of the things that we start out with when we're teaching people self-talk is, well, put your pencil down in front of you and try to pick it up, you know. And uh, they either pick it up or don't pick it up, but nobody tries to do anything. And so when we instruct ourselves, well, I'm going to try and do that, the subconscious genie, so to speak, knows that we're lying and knows that we're never going to do it. We don't really intend to do it. It's just an excuse for failure in advance. And so that very verbiage, that very verbiage actually keeps ourselves stuck, and people don't even know it. And it seems like such a simple thing, and it is, but it's such a huge thing in self-direction. So affirmations need to be, you know, the three rules of affirmations are, as a, you know, there's more, but the basic ones are it has to be positive, present, tense, and personal. So what we're doing with an affirmation is we're attempting to give the genie clear directions so that the subconscious goes to work to actually bring about what it is that we want to achieve instead of holding us back with some other inhibiting thought. The difference in, in direct hypnotherapy is, is that a hypnotherapist helps the person or the client enter the correct trance level to do the correct therapy, if you will, and, uh, you know, there are two levels that are mostly used to do affirmations. And then there are a couple of other levels that are used to do, you know, more of the clinical hypnotherapy with the age regressions, the gestalt work, and uh, those types of things. And those are, in my opinion, you know, way more effective and they have a much better um, result because uh, what's happened is, is that, all of us have these events in life that I, I call we've, we've become sensitized to them, uh, meaning that if you talk about a particular event and all of a sudden you become emotional or you become angry or discouraged or whatever, 
as you're speaking about that experience still, you still have emotional content being generated in your mind from that experience, and that experience needs to be dealt with, desensitized, released, let go. Uh, we call it resolved. And so what people don't know is, is that they're spending a lot of physical, mental, emotional, psychic energy hanging on to their past problems. And when we do the clinical work, we can actually go in and help them address those past sensitizing events whereby they now release their energy from holding on to that event, resolve it, clear it up so it just doesn't exist. And they'll have a memory of it. Yeah, I remember doing that, but yeah, now that was in the past. There's no more emotion tied to it. They're completely desensitized from it. Now that frees up physical, mental, emotional, physical energy that can be used for productive purposes. So one of the great things that happens is as people come in and do this work, they actually find they have more energy. They feel more alive. They have more, yeah, they have more ability to go out and accomplish their goals and dreams because they're not using their capacity to hang on to the past. They're now free. Gives them more power in life. Wow. Does this, can this work with uh, children who may be eight years of age? Yeah, what happens is is that as, as, uh, as little children, we were all naturally somnambulistic. Uh, we were all, uh, we didn't have a developed critical factor. We weren't doing critical thinking. Uh, most people feel like we develop our critical factor, which we call a division between the conscious and subconscious minds, which is the area of our belief systems. That's not really developed well until sometime, most people will say between years of seven and ten. Uh, and so to uh, do um, affirmations, uh, auto-suggestions, which is a lot of affirmations brought into the mind by a symbol, uh, those kinds of things, uh, those work well with children because they are open to uh, that kind of suggestion because they do not have a developed critical factor. But that's also one of the reasons why most of the hypnotherapy that we do originally with people starts out in all their childhood issues because they didn't have that critical factor filter where they were filtering out negative things that have been said to ourselves from parents or school teachers or peers, friends, whatever. And so we're still hung up with a lot of those early childhood sensitizing events. And uh, most everybody that comes in usually always goes back to childhood and needs to clear up their childhood issues first, and then they kind of work forward. Uh, but, yeah, it works, it works uh, well with uh, certain therapies. Certain suggestion hypnotherapy works better with children under 8 and then after 8, and as they get older and they have more of a developed critical factor, you can use some of these other clinical types of hypnotherapy. Okay. Now, Dennis also has a book out called The Spirit to Mind Management. What will the listeners and readers find in your book? What they would find is they would find how to discover their own spiritual mind. And they would find a lot of detail about how to understand their own thoughts and thinking. And they would understand the sensitizing events that I'm talking about. And it would give them a lot of self-direction to start to do their own uh, personal work, as I call it, of clearing out those sensitizing events, of freeing up that energy that I'm uh, talking about that, that may be being used uh, to hang on to the past, to hang on to their old emotions, so to speak, 
they would learn about the functioning of their spiritual mind and how their memories, imaginations, and emotions actually work, how they connect together, and how they actually generate the behaviors that they're experiencing. So there's a lot of information in there. A lot of the uh, techniques that we use are, are taught in there. Uh, it's just a, a kind of a well-rounded, uh, both informational around your spiritual mind and then also the therapies that you can do once you understand it and how you can use it, both as self-hypnosis and self-directed, and then also what we would do if you were to want to, uh, you know, come into the school and consider becoming a hypnotherapist or a clinical hypnotherapist uh, through our school, again, at certifiedhypnotherapytrainingschool.com. And we do teach the school online. So, I mean, it's a, it, we broadcast live. It's a fully interactive uh, broadcast. Uh, students can ask questions from anywhere. They're on a big screen TV. Everybody in the class gets to see them. They speak. We speak. Uh, it's fully fully interactive. And we have students from all over the country who come on and, and actually take the courses live uh, through the broadcast. Oh, okay. How much do these courses cost? Uh, to uh, to become a, a hypnotherapist is $4,000, and to become a clinical hypnotherapist is $6,000. And then there's a 10% prepay uh, amount on there. If, you know, someone were to prepay both courses, they can get a, a 10% discount if they prepay for both of them up front, which makes it about $5,400. Okay. And I think, like I said before, this would be great, and especially to let go of your past, as Dennis was saying, and for sometimes those old emotional wounds that hold us back. So please, if you're interested, please go out, get his book, get tuned in. This is making a move forward towards your future. This will help you. Um, now, Dennis, this, you know, I was, I'm always online mostly, and I was reading someone saying that, um, People can actually be hypnotized over the Internet via text chat. Is that a myth? Uh, you, no, you can do uh, hypnosis over the Internet. I do a lot of Skype sessions. Okay. So if, any, if anybody wants to actually schedule sessions with me or, you know, some of my students or whatever, uh, we do that, you know, nationwide over Skype. Um, so, you know, we're able to do that as long as we can see, like, the upper part of the person's body, their body actions, facial expressions, you know, kind of uh, read what's going on in their body language and have reactions at the same time. We're able to do it, and it's very effective. Okay. Now, when it comes to getting into the subconscious part of the mind, how hard is it for you or even another hypnotherapist to get into that part of the mind? Um, it's not it's not difficult. I mean that's what that's what hypnosis is or what trance is is it gives you access to the subconscious. Uh, okay. And but the key the key to that is is again is that the subconscious is is uh, compartmentalized somewhat, if you will, uh, meaning that again you work with a person's imaginations, uh, you work with their uh, memories, and then you also work with their emotions. And sometimes you'll work with them individually. Sometimes you'll work with them collectively. Uh, it just depends on what you're doing and what you're attempting to achieve. Okay. Well, Dennis, um, how can people really 
Well, I guess before I get to that, does the fault trigger the chemical balance in, in all of this? You know, that's a, that's a question that I, I have these discussions with with people all the time, mostly the psychologists uh, that want to talk about some of the differences between what they believe in hypnosis and psychology and so on. And it's kind of an interesting conversation to have is which comes first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing. Uh, the, the, the chemical imbalances, people want to talk about it. Uh, I personally, it's just my point of view. We all have a point of view. Uh, some people claim to have science around part of it or whatever. But my point of view is, and from what I observe with clients, is that it's always the thought that comes first. There's a primary thought in the mind that then adjusts the brain chemistry because it's the spiritual mind that's managing the brain, and then the brain again manages the body. And so what I find is is that if we have a, a primary predominant thought that can drive changes in brain chemistry. And then in the brain chemistry, if there are certain, you know, endorphins, hormones, so on, release, uh, then those hormones and endorphins and so on can prompt additional thought. But those are always secondary thoughts uh, in support of the primary thought. So it's, uh, to me, it's all about thoughts because as we go into the subconscious, we challenge and change those subconscious predominant thoughts effectively, uh, we know that we change effect in the body uh, through, the, through that process, and we wouldn't be able to get those uh, physiological changes if, the, if the, uh, the brain wasn't being adjusted and actually managing the body because it's the, the connective order of things. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. I'll give you an example of that. Uh, we had a 14-year-old girl come in uh, with asthma, and a lot of people consider asthma to be, you know, psychosomatically induced. She'd been to all the doctors and all the stuff, and they couldn't find, you know, no organic pathology there, that kind of thing. And, and they brought her to me. And, and so, you know, I use, uh, I use Louise Hayes' book as well. I promote it all I can, that You Can Heal Your Body uh, book that talks about what is the emotion that drives the particular disease kind of thing. And uh, you can go back to, to those uh, promptings in the, in the mind. So asthma is caused by a fear of taking in life or a fear of, of different kinds of things. And if you go in and you help the person shut down the fear that's being generated um, and, it's, and the fear is being dumped off into the lungs causing that fight-flight breathing, then you can find that, you know, the body adjusts and, and those uh, kinds of elements uh, just dissipate. They just, uh, you know, dissolve. Uh, you, you, the, the other side of that is you've long heard, don't worry, you'll get an ulcer, right? So yeah. the, emotional, the emotional content of worry in the, in the mind uh, generates excess electrical worry, and, and every thought is a frequency, and so when we have a, a frequency of worry, and, and, and in my school of thought, the imagination, again, is the amplifier of the thought, which also means it's the amplifier that turns the electrical energy up in the brain. And that electrical energy being turned up in the brain at a certain frequency is what we've all learned to call and identify emotions. So love has a frequency, hate has a frequency, worry has a frequency, and so on. 
Well, those different frequencies that are generated in the brain that, that get amplified have to be dissipated somewhere down through the central nervous system. And we know, for example, that every gland, every organ, every muscle group can be a dumping ground for certain uh, frequencies. And, and those negative uh, energies are maladaptive in the body, meaning that they'll knock that particular gland, organ, or muscle group off normal, healthy frequency. So if worry is dumping off into the stomach and it's causing the stomach to be overactivated and secrete excess acid, the excess acid burns a hole in the stomach wall lining and now we have ulcers. Some people want to talk about the bacteria does it and so on, but if the stomach is still knocked off off of normal healthy frequency by the worry uh, maladaptive energy frequencies, then the immune system of the stomach isn't working correctly and the bacteria is allowed to grow and you can still create ulcers. However, that works in any individual. But what we know is, is that if we can go into the subconscious and we can shut down those worrisome thoughts, you know, we challenge and change them correctly, adjust them, resolve them, that, that, worry, uh, that worried electricity, so to speak, at that frequency is no longer now dumping into the stomach. And so now the brain resets the stomach, and the stomach goes back into normal, healthy frequency and just starts to heal naturally. Okay. Wow, this is a, wow, it, 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 it's very detailed. It is. That's why I want to always know more about it. Now, I also heard about false memory syndrome. What is that, Dennis? Well, people, uh, you know, that there, that happened a lot uh, back in the 70s where uh, there were certain people who were promoting the idea that certain people had had uh, different experiences, uh, you know, that uh, they were promoting hypnosis and making suggestions that the, the reason they had their problems were they had been captured by aliens and taken up to an alien mothership or, you know, there's all kinds of stuff out there in, in those regards, you know. I mean, uh, there were other false memories being promoted around, uh, you know, physical abuse or different things that may have may not have happened to people. Uh, personally, uh, I've, not, I've not seen much of that at all. I've had maybe one or two cases of that where I, I thought the person actually generated it themselves. And as we uh, got into it and cleared it up, they actually acknowledged that it was more of a childhood fear and something that they had thought of. Uh, I've never actually seen that phenomenon to be real in my practice and what I've done. Um, so, and I and I don't promote it. You know, I mean, we, why would you want to promote somebody having an imaginary memory of something that never happened to them? So, I, I avoid that whole area, so to speak. Uh, there's some things in hypnosis and hypnotherapy that I frankly don't agree to do. I don't go there, you know, and I'm very open about that. You know, for example, I don't do past life regressions. A lot of people do. A lot of people think that, you know, they want to claim that their problems came from a prior life or those kinds of things. And I never go there with that because I tell people, you know, we have so many problems in this life, you know, and uh, let's fix what we can fix here and deal with here and, you know, and and I, I so I don't know. We we all have our different beliefs. It's just my point of view to be viewed. I recognize that. I'm not saying I'm right, uh, but we all have our different points of view, and that's kind of my point of view. I don't. There's some things I don't do that I I call them on the edge of goofy. I try and stay away from anything that I think would be 
Goofy. <laughs> you know what? Uh-huh. I'm glad you're on the show today because you're clearing up a lot of stuff that people we we think of. For one, there's a lot of milks out here, and you cleared it up through this talking today for this little bit of time that we figured that only mentally we can be hypnotized, and that's not true because it's really if they have a psychosis problem, they can't be hypnotized. Um, we think hypnotized people are helpless and not really because when it, even when you do your own research and read more into it, you're you're actually awake through all this. You're you're conscious through this. So it's not actually where you're sleeping. Somebody's taking over control of you and, and it doesn't just happen in one session. So then it's really is He's really clearing up a lot of stuff for us, and I, that's why I had to have you on um, today. But, Dennis, for anyone who's considering um, hip, hypnotherapy or have just have a general interest in the subject, give us, again, your website and also where we can get your book, too. Okay. Uh, yeah, they can go to certifiedhypnotherapytrainingschool.com. There's a lot of information there for them uh, that's free. I've done a lot of educational kinds of things. There's some full-length videos there on the YouTube channel. There's a two-hour video there on clinical hypnotherapy. There's another two-hour video there on spiritual mind management. There's an hour video there on what's the truth about hypnosis, you know, that kind of thing. There's a lot of information there people are welcome to. The blog, the blog on the website has a number of articles and so on. Uh, so then they can also feel free to call me if they have interest in the school or or becoming a uh, certified hypnotherapist or certified clinical hypnotherapist. Be happy to visit with them about that. Uh, we feel like it's one of the best educational investments that people can make uh, because uh, most hypnotherapists will come out of school and making anywhere from 50 to $100 an hour, and within a couple of three weeks of actually doing therapy, they can have all of their school fees paid and avoid all of these long-term school loans for years to come and, and have a very credible, uh, you know, uh, lifestyle and, and existence uh, in helping other people overcome their personal problems. So they can get the book on Amazon, Amazon.com for spiritual mind management, uh, and again, in a hard copy or a Kindle version. Uh, and then the school site, again, is uh, certifiedhypnotherapytrainingschool.com. And my contact information is, and my contact information is all over the school site and stuff. So they're have them feel free to contact me. I'd be happy to discuss any of these things with them. Well, thank you, Dennis. I really do appreciate. It. And in all reality, when when I think about it, we all have experienced a state of malhypnosis. At least because they even said when you're doing meditation, you're hypnotizing your own self, and that's amazing. Regardless if you never been to a hypnotherapist in your life. Oh. Exactly. Meditation Meditation uh, is identified on the chart that I have there on the website and so on that they can look at as the third level of trance now called hypnoidal trance. And what the world wants to call meditation when they go into that meditative state, generally that's identified in that hypnoidal trance level. So have them, have them watch the video and so on and it'll explain you know, the states of daydreaming and meditation and and so on as they go deeper and down into uh, sleep. 
Well, Dennis, I thank you so much. We all have been listening to W. Dennis Parker, who is a certified clinical hypnotherapist and the author of the book, Spiritual Mind Management. You can find him on Facebook and probably Twitter, too, Dennis. Yes. I know Dennis Facebook. Okay. Well, this is this is the time to make change and let go of your past habits. And you can let go and you can start living your life to the fullest. Thank you again, Dennis, for um, being on here with us and sharing all these wonderful ideas about hypnotherapy and teaching us and opening our minds. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome, and you and your family have a blessed one. Thank you very much. You as well. Thank you. Everyone, I do appreciate you for tuning in. Tomorrow I might not be on. I don't have a... I don't have a guest, but I don't know. I might surprise you. You never know how it goes with me on my shows. I I might end up just kicking it back, and we just listen to some good old oldies. But anyhow, thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Technisha, and you stay blessed, stay prosperous, and do not forget you can always text Bright Side to 42828, and you will be on my email list, and, and we will go from there. But thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.